Hello and welcome to the Friday Show. I'm Lloyd. I'm your host this week, stepping in for Bossman Howard Hocken. And I'm delighted to be joined by a debutant and one of our old timers this week. So first, let's go with the fresh blood. We've got George. George, how are you? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm great, thank you. How are you doing, Lloyd? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Um, what, so why don't you why don't you tell everyone listening a bit about yourself? What's your kind of what's your story when it comes to City? Uh, so my story is um, my dad was a is a massive blue, and uh, my first game uh, was. Main Road, uh, 2002, we were uh, 2-0 down to Blackburn at half-time, Tiato sent off, and then an Elker and Goat. Oh, I remember that game. For a two-all draw, so... I remember that game. Quite the, uh, yeah, quite the, uh, it, it was the full City experience in one game, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, I think it was a, a perfect start to my to my life as a City fan. I, I remember that, Tiato got sent, didn't he get sent off, like, down in the down in the corner? By the corner, like, I feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember that game. Um, okay, good stuff. So you were at Main Road as well. Um, and where are you from in Manchester, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, well, typical typical city fan there, Stockport. So uh, again, Stockport massive, live, uh, feeding into that stereotype a bit. But yeah, we love it. SK we love massive. It the, we love it on the night three twenty, mate. We're all, we're all Stockport. I mean, this is podcast. a Stockport podcast. It's absolutely Stockport <laughs> the three podcast. of us are all from Stockport. Yeah. Are you, what SK? Are you? I'm SK four, Lloyd. What SK are you? Uh, I, we were SK four as well. George, what SK are you? SK7. SK7. Gangster. Sorry, Lloyd. Very nice. No, no, all good. And then, yeah, we've got SK4 zone, Asan. Currently down with a bit of COVID. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. It's uh, I can't believe I managed to swerve COVID for like three years and then I just got it. I've, I've literally, I've not... I've not been anywhere. Is this your first time? First time, bro. And I've not been anywhere. It's not like I've been to a party or anything like that. Like, literally. Wow. The most public thing I did was getting a taxi, going to town to a hotel to have lunch with my wife. And uh, and literally, that's it. Like, I haven't been anywhere else to to even catch the damn thing. But somehow, I've managed to uh, to catch it. have you avoided it for this long? That's, that's mental. Living in Ibiza. It's impressive that, it's, that you've avoided it this long, to be honest. Yeah, something something's off. <laughs> Man's not been testing, I reckon. Um, well, best of luck with the recovery anyway. I've had it a few times, so it can be a bit grim. Yeah, and look, uh, I'm, but, I'm absolutely not trying to over-dramatise it. I'm really fine. Like, I've got a bit of a fever and a bit of a, a bit of a rough chest, but... You know, I I know I know mates that have had it really bad, and and this so far mm. touch wood, this is really not bad at all, and it means I get to spend the weekend watching films in bed, which I'm all for. Well, yeah, and there you know there are worse places to do a bit of R and R than than a beefer on there, so definitely. So there we go. Good. All right. Well, to be fair, me and you have done a few pods this week, eh, son? Um, but I still think there's a lot to talk about. Um, and bearing that in mind, in terms of us being on the airways, George, I'm going to come to you first. I think I'm going to give you opportunity a very long run. Um, so I think we, first of all, we've got to kind of look back at the week. We've got to talk about what is probably the main topic of the week, which is obviously Jao Cancelo going to Bayern. You haven't had the opportunity to talk about that yet. Obviously, City didn't sign a replacement. Uh, we're essentially one down. Um Give me your thoughts. How do you feel? Do you feel? Are you concerned? Do you? Do you think it could revitalize the team? Just 
let me know how you feel. I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts. Yeah, it was um, it was funny, wasn't it? I, I saw that Bayern were playing and uh, in the uh, DFB uh, Polkel match, and uh, I thought, oh, he's probably on the bench or something. But no, straight into the starting lineup and uh, an assist within 20 minutes uh, from from right back as well. So that it that was a bit raw seeing that. But it was always going to happen, wasn't it? He was always going to play blinding for Bayern for a few games. We'll see how he gets on because, you know, everywhere he's been, there has always been a little bit of trouble when he's not been playing. And, you know, when mm. he's when his back's up against the wall, he's there's always that conflict and he has bounced around a few big clubs now. Um, so those things stay rosy with him at Bayern. I'm sure, sure he'll do well, but it's just think what happens if he... Then doesn't start a few matches for Bayern. Will he be throwing tantrums there and not want to go there permanently? And then in the summer, we're stuck with an unhappy player who people don't want to buy because of his personality issues. I don't know. It's a, it's such a strange situation, and we've not really had anything like this happen to us. So it's all it's all really new. But the thing that's concerning me, city wise, is we don't now have. And a left back. I know Cancelo was a right back who then transitioned to a left back, but even Ake, you know, he's a centre back playing at left back. Sergio Gomez played centre attacking mid in the in the Barca and the uh, Dortmund youth system, and then he plays right wing for Spain under twenty ones, and he's played one season in Belgium at left back, and then that that that's it really. So that's what's concerning me and saying a big Champions League game if we have an injury to Aki what what happens then is it Laporte is it Rico Lewis inverted there's just a lot of questions but I'm interested to see how we approach it mm. I think that's I think that's kind of the key thing right now is just to see how Guardiola in particular and his coaching staff how they approach the rest of the season because I I, I almost feel like I feel I think it's a bit unfair to say that that we don't have a left-back. Ake's played left-back for most of the season and he's been somewhere in between good and really, really good, depending on the game. Um, so we do have somebody in there who is an experienced international footballer who's very comfortable, certainly in that, you know, with if you... If the in the build up it becomes three and two, having Ake on the left side of the three, it, it definitely, I think it does work. So I do think it, we're doing Pep a little bit of a disservice by saying that there's just nobody. Yeah, yeah, he is a centre half. I, I do think Ake, I do think Ake is a, is a brilliant footballer and has and tactically he seems very astute. He see any like, um, you know, plan that. That Guardiola lays out, he does seem to fulfil it quite well. It's just that it's strange that the size of the size of the club we are and the, the players that we buy that there's, we don't have anybody who's been a left back like all their career, kind of, or or through the youth system. It's it's just a really peculiar scenario. I, we we just seem to be a bit cursed in that regard. But I do take your point. I think Ake, as long as he's fit and ready for the big games, I'm not nervous. Yeah. It's just the injury. Any kind of injury to him is what concerns me. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. And I think, you know, I, I don't think, obviously, we don't talk about the lad who's up in court because um, he'll probably never play for City again. But that's 
part of why we feel like we've not ha- ever really had a left back in the Guardiola era is because he came in as the left back and then he got an ACL. Um, and it's re- City, I think, this is where I think that City are often a little too loyal. I think City were a little too loyal to that clown at that point because when he did his ACL, they should have accepted, we're going to need a left back. And converting Delph and converting Zinchenko might be short-term solutions, but we should probably find a medium-term solution. Because when somebody does their ACL, you've got no idea how they're going to come back from it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and obviously converting those two, they weren't medium to long-term options. Didn't turn out that way in the end, did it? No. Um, Asan, to, to stay on that then, so I take your point, obviously, around Ake that obviously he's played a lot of his football this season at left-back. And to be honest, he's generally done a great job, I would say. Um, you know, you're never going to get the kind of progressive passing or crosses from him, but that's not really his game. And in that 3-2 system, I don't think he's really been asked to do that. What I would throw at you, though, is do, do you not think we've obviously lost, we've lost an option in Cancelo and do you not think we've are you concerned by the fact that we've lost a little bit of kind of flexibility because Guardiola does come does like to come up with kind of different solutions for different games or or does that really not concern you no not really I think I I I actually think the contrary I think it's probably a good thing removing a Swiss army knife like Cancelo from Guardiola's squad because I think that having Cancelo sometimes allowed Pep to indulge himself. For example, playing that guy at right wing, yeah, or playing him as a progressive playmaker from fullback, stuff like that, that just, for me, it felt very much about um, like building systems and building teams around Jao Cancelo, which was it's not something that I think we should be doing when you've got De Bruyne, Foden, Grealish, Mares, Haaland, when you've got the attackers that we have, your fullbacks just need to be fullbacks. And maybe that makes me sound a bit yadar, but you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. So so no, I'm I'm not I'm not hugely concerned about the squad's flexibility because the reality is that the the squad is still full of multifunctional players. There's the, the left back is a centre back. Do you know what I mean? I just mentioned Foden. He can play anywhere from left back to centre mid to 10 to false nine. We've just got plenty of players who can be moved around. I think for me anyway, the most important thing um, is that we um, we find some of the, the harmony and the kind of the, the team spirit that we've had in, in recent years, which I feel was lacking. Uh, in the first half of the season. And I'm not saying that that was all on Cancelo, but like I said in the pod after he left, definitely when you've got a dickhead stinking the place out, when they leave, it does give everybody a lift just because that fella bringing everybody down isn't there anymore. So I'm kind of more interested in... For example, I'm very interested in the performance and the attitudes against Spurs because... There's not been a lot of smiling faces around the city camp for a while now, and I wonder whether someday we see a lot of smiles again. Interesting. Um, just just stick with you, George. For, uh, stick with you, Aiton. For throw it to you, George. I hear all that, but slightly different question. Are you concerned from a pure numbers perspective? Because that's a slightly different outlook, I think, to 
to the kind of mean? squad chemistry, Swiss what, Army what do, knife. What do you mean by numbers? Are you concerned that we're just we're one lighter in the squad, or we are, or or does that not concern you? Well, we are. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I can be, I can be concerned about it, but there's nothing I can do about it. We are one player light, and we are one senior player light. But I would counter even something like that with when this season began. Not one person in and around the supporter base was looking at Rico Lewis going, Rico Lewis is going to be a first-team player this season. So, yes, we're definitely one player light because Cancelo's gone, but we probably got, you know, we've, we've got one bonus player in that Lewis wasn't part of any conversations we were having at the start of the season. Um, I, know what, I know what you're saying, Lloyd. Like, obviously, it's just not good to let a player go on the last day of the transfer window in January, particularly a player like Jao Cancelo, who has been so impactful and effective in moments for City and not replace them. You're absolutely right. There ain't, there's not a, there's not a valid argument that makes me go, oh no, it's fine. They, they did the right thing, not replacing him. Of course they should have replaced him, but for whatever reason, they either didn't or they couldn't. Um, mm. And so I'm kind of, now that the window's short, I'm more, I think for the moment, I, and I understand this week we're having this conversation because Cancelo left this week. But for me, right now, we need to look at the short and the medium term, which is, all right, what do what options do we have? What are the games upcoming? How do we perform in those games? I'd like us to get to a stage where going into the Arsenal game, nobody's talking about left-back or Jao Cancelo. But to do that, we have to perform really well against Spurs and really well against Villa. Yeah, yeah, George. What about for you? Are you are you concerned? Do you, are you do you think actually removing him, even though it's kind of minus one on a squad perspective, could have a say like a plus two on an overall like attitude squad perspective? Where 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 are you at? Yeah, I think um, the concerning side for me is is like I said earlier is the, if there is an injury to Ake, then. Guardiola will have to get creative again in in his um, maybe like he's done with the Delphins and Chenko taking a midfielder and turning them in into a left back. I don't know who that would be. I know some people have said Rico Lewis could probably do the inverted job on the other side, which I agree with. I've seen a few shouts about could Calvin Phillips be deployed in that similar way. That'd be interesting to see. So on a numbers perspective, yeah, I'm slightly concerned. But as Asan said. The squad harmony and that drive and all in it together attitude is what carries you through this part of the season now, from from February till 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 May. And if and if somebody's yeah stinking the place up and is not fully bought in and isn't happy to see their teammates succeed and win, then it is better that they're out the door as, as cutthroat as it is. Fair and and who to throw it forward. Slightly unfair, but I think it's probably worth asking. To if if it has to throw it forward to kind of like the end of the season, who do you think will be the guy that probably ends up playing there the most? Obviously, we can't account for injuries, but do do you think it will be Ake, or do you think we'll see Lewis pull it across Walker Walker kind of come back into right back Laporte? What what do you reckon? Yeah, I th- I think. As things stand, if if nothing changes and Ake's level of performance is the same, I think he'll play all the big the big matches. You know the Arsenal's in the league, um, 
Spurs at the weekend, the Champions League fixtures. Um, and then I think in some of the other league games, he'll rotate Laporte and then maybe do um, Rico Lewis inverted, then Walker um, as the right-hand side of a back three. But yeah, I think Ake will take all the big games and then he'll just rotate Laporte and Lewis. Well, I suppose that all depends on the, the Stones injury as well, how much Laporte can actually come across and cover. He might be needed to play at centre-back. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Stones injury. Hey, son, what do you... Who, who do you reckon will be the number one choice in that position? Do you think it'll still be Ake? Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I think in in if you ask me the volume of games he'll play them, I think Ake will play the the volume of games. The only thing that the only thing that I can't be sure of right now is what happens with um, with Lewis and and how Pep decides to to utilize him. I do think that he'll play more than we expect him to play um, because I think they like him at that level, as daft as that sounds. I think that they want to... Part, part of the... If I were in Pep's shoes, if I were in Big Aristine's shoes, and I tried to think about this when we were thinking about the end of the transfer window and do you sign somebody or not and what are the pluses and the minuses? And I think that, for me, the the big plus if you can call it that with not signing somebody is you afford yourself half a season to see what Rico Lewis's ceiling in the short term is because it might well be that in four weeks time we're all sat around going you know what Lewis is is way too raw we're still a year or two away from him being a serious contender or it might well be that we get four, six weeks from now and we're looking at Lewis going, well, you know, we've basically got Walker and Rico Lewis as nailed on fullbacks because they're both amazing. And having that space to allow Lewis to grow into the rest of the season, I think is a good thing. I completely agree with that. I think I think Lewis will be thrown in the deep end. I think I think we'll know. We'll get a very good read by the end of the season, um, kind of what level of Premier League player Lewis is, and I ex- I expect he'll flourish. To be honest, I think he's still going to take minutes away from mm. from Walker, um, but I do think I do think Walker will come back in. I think Walker's still very much got a purpose, and I think we a lot of fans have forgotten how just how good and key he is. Um, I think there's actually I think mean, there's a chance that Walker plays actually against Spurs. Thought he thought he was good and changed the game a bit the other day. Um, so yeah. I I do think we'll see I think we'll see a bit of Lewis at left back um, as crazy as that is given he's eighteen and this is kind of his breakthrough season but he I think he's shown himself to be a Swiss Army knife to use that kind of Cancelo um, case study um, of someone that can kind of play play in, and do different things that we've been asked um, mm. he's obviously kind of played that inverted role it's it's a very difficult role to play in Pep's team and he's been. He's been the solution finder, kind of away at away at Chelsea, second half against Spurs in yep. a reverse fixture. He's shown that adaptability, both, hasn't he? Can I ask you both a question? Do neither of you think that Lewis starts on on Sunday, bearing in mind that he played in the four two and he played so well? Yeah, I th- yeah. I think um, I think I think um, it'll be. I think we could see Walker, Ake, and Lewis all start on Sunday. Um, if they do the three-two system, I could see it being um, Walker on the right, Akanji in the middle, Ake left 
died, and then Rodri and Rico Lewis in front, because those mm. those guys, apart from Walker, have all been playing a lot of football recently. They all seem to be in that um, cohort who um, are impressing Pep. And then I think Pep will want that physicality of Walker at the back and the pace against Spurs, because they will try hitters on the break with Kane, Son, maybe this Dan Juma who's come into the Spurs side, who's got a lot of pace. So, yeah, I think we could see, we could see all three of those players we've been speaking about play, which would be interesting. Is that Walker at centre-back then, George? Yeah, Walker right side of centre-back. It's I think it's something we could see a few times this season. With the, with the Stones injury, I think um, I think he may want Walker in that in that zone. I hope not. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that didn't go well against Southampton, did it? But yeah. yeah, I just, I, I, I worry with, I, I worry with Walker that, um, that that's not really his position. He just looked really, he didn't really, he looked at sixes and sevens against Southampton. Um, and I think Sunday is a very big league game. So I view it as, particularly with the Stones injury and the fact that Akanji feels like he's, you know, almost undroppable for Guardiola. I think it'll be Walker or Lewis on Sunday and then mm. Akanji Laporte and Ake. Yeah, I, I, that's what I think as well. I think I think it, I, I've got a feeling it'll be Walker. Yeah. But but the Spur, but the Spurs game is a good shout eh, son in that he obviously did he did really change things He's, second and, half. And also, you've got to remember that, and I, I, it goes back to the press conference that Pep did, Pep did last week where he was talking about um, talking about the Arsenal game and how they man-marked and that made uh, Lewis's position basically redundant, that he just didn't need a guy stepping into midfield there because he was, he was being man-marked. Um, Spurs won't do that, in theory. So, in theory, you, you can be much more effective in the build-up if you play Lewis from the start on Sunday. Um, straight choice for the pair of you. Who would you pick? So it's, let's say the centre-backs are Akanji, Laporte and Ake's left-back. Who are you picking at right-back, George? Oh, that's a tough one. I think as much as I am, you know, so impressed with Rico Lewis um, and his, you know, rise to stardom this season. The thing that's the only thing that's concerned me in a, a few games recently is the physical side, and it's not it's not his, you know, mm. problem. He's up against people who are fully grown out, and you know, he's new to you know first team football this season, and I think Spurs are a bit of a bully team. And they do like to kick and push and all that kind of stuff. And it's great in drawing fouls, but sometimes it looks like he's been fed to the wolves and he's just getting thrown around. And it's and I think Guardiola may want Walker in there in this match from the start with maybe bringing Rico Lewis on later in the game, just so we've got that real physical presence at the back against Spurs and you know because they're quite an aggressive side. And it's a good shout that I think Dan Juma's quite. Aggressive and physical as well. If he starts, Lloyd, who would you pick, Walker or Lewis? I echo everything George said there. To be honest, I um, it feels kind of a bit. I feel a bit conflicted saying that because 
almost all of our best performances have come with Lewis on the pitch. But Sunday feels like a little bit of a different game in that I think it'll be it'll be slightly different to what to the game at the Etihad in that obviously Spurs are never going to completely come at you because they're under Conte, they're quite a reactive counter-attacking team. But I think they'll I think they'll be a bit more front foot at their own stadium with their fans in front of them. And I feel like it's a game it's a game where I'd rather start with Walker and have the Lewis option on the bench rather than the other way around. Um mainly because as we know, Spurs in behind can be so so effective, kind of breaking quickly. I, I think Walker's pace will be needed and I don't know, it just feels like a game where we, we might need a bit of that experience from the beginning. Yeah. So I'd yeah. rather I'd rather keep Lewis I'd rather keep Lewis on the bench. Yeah, I I'd go along with that. And I just <clears throat> I as much as I love Lewis and as much as I, for me the the funny thing is that um it's not that I love Lewis because he's homegrown or, you know, I mean, I love that. But actually, I love the way we play when Lewis is in the team. I like that. I like the way it becomes three at the back. I like the way that Lewis can move through the lines and basically play like a midfield player in the opposition half because I do think that that makes us a lot more fluid. Um, but in this instance, bearing in mind the importance of of the next two league games before the Arsenal game, I would play safe. And for me on Sunday, playing safe is picking Walker. Agreed. I think that's a full house. It's very rare on this podcast. <laughs> it's very rare. <laughs> um, good. Okay. So, well, let's, let's stick with a couple of city topics before I've got a couple that are non-city. So, Lord, I'll come to you. It's something we kind of referenced a bit before. But we don't have full clarity on yet, and that's John Stones' injury. For me, he's been our best centre half this season. Um, it looked like a hamstring injury. He's obviously had a few of those before. We obviously don't know how serious it is, but they're usually, you know, somewhere between like four to six weeks. Ake is now basically a left back. We would, I think, it's safe to say for the rest of the season from a kind of options perspective. Um, how big of a blow is that? Do you think, are, are you really worried? Are you kind of in the same camp as me that you think Stone's been our best centre-half or are we really sleeping on the fact that we've still basically not played Ruben Diaz all season, one of the best defenders in the world and we've still got kind of poor kicking his heels a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm a massive John Stones fan so I am concerned it, the length of the injury, how many key games he will miss because I think the way we play with him at centre-back or as deployed at right-back as he has been a few times this season, he just makes us so fluid from how we play out from the back and nothing's, you know, doesn't feel any pressure, nothing feels forced, everything is, you know, very precise with him there. So it is concerning, but I think what it does allow for is, like you say, other people to step up to the mark. All our centre-back pairings for the last five, six years have never really been chosen at the start of the season they've kind of been decided through an injury and people stepping up and like claiming that spot where we saw it with when Laporte was injured and then John Stones came back into the fold to partner Diaz that season and then kind of was they they were both undroppable for the rest of the season so I'm kind of hoping something can happen in in reverse in that you know Diaz and or Laporte can step in to play regularly and then really become undroppable and I think we do miss Diaz's 
presence as a leader on the pitch. We've lacked a bit of that recently. Guardiola, you know, alluded to it in the comments um, during that after the Spurs match about people not supporting Rico Lewis when he was getting kicked around, and I think Diaz just does bring a bit of that, barking in the ref's ear a bit, shouting at teammates. So I'm hoping he can. What's going on with Diaz? It's a strange one. It do you think he's just to... just been eased back in because he's not he's not been fit, or do you think he's he's just been not preferred because he hasn't he he has he's been available for a while now. Yeah, I think he had he did have some injury issues, but then I think it I think it was after that it was mainly Guardiola's you know um, control thing that he Diaz on the ball is not as strong as your Stones is your Ake's your Akanji's. He's a he's more of a, a defensive centre back than those guys. So I think it was the fact that maybe he thought Diaz was not play playing the way he wanted to and just not playing through the motions and stringing the passes together. Because yeah. if it if it's not that, I just couldn't see why, because he's been such an important figure for us for a few years. Hey son. I think it's about the build Diaz? up, you know. I think it's about the build up. I, I think George is right. I think whether we accept it or not, I think Guardiola thinks Stones, Akanji and Ake are much better on the ball than Diaz. Um, and so, and Laporte. And so I think that's probably why he's not getting in right now. But having said that, I would not bat an eyelid if the team sheet drops on Sunday and Diaz is on it. Because I do think that we're... Not to go back to the Cancelo thing again, again, but I just feel as though we're about to enter a whole new period in this season. And I wonder how much, like, I just, I just think that having Diaz in the team will be a lift for everybody just because of his leadership qualities. I think Stones being injured affords you an opportunity to do that considering the amount of football that Akanji has played. The only question is how fit is he just in terms of every game matters right now. We're so far behind Arsenal that we can't go to Spurs and draw on Sunday. So you need all your lads to be like not just fit, but like, you know, sharp, match sharp. Um, and it's difficult with somebody like Diaz to know how much sharp he actually could be, bearing in mind that he's barely played any football since the World Cup. So would Villa represent a better game for Diaz's first kind of appearance back then? I mean, yes and no. Like, I think, actually, I think both of those games are much of a muchness in terms of bringing Diaz back, because ultimately, um, I think that... Uh, Spurs are really well coached, and I think that Villa are really well coached. Uh, obviously, Spurs have got better attacking players, but I think that Villa will be more... Um, I mean, they'll be compact, but I think that they will be a bit more attacking than Spurs will be. Although maybe you're right, maybe because Spurs are at home, maybe they will have to open up a little bit. But yeah, for me, it's much of a muchness which game we bring him back for. Fair. Yeah, I think the only thing that could be in Diaz's favour is I do think Akanji's levels dropped a little bit recently and because we've had this eight days break in between games, that's probably a good thing for him. Um, 
in the sense of it's given him just a bit more time to kind of try and build up that fitness. I know he's not had a game to play, which is obviously the key thing in bringing you up to the level. But I, I, I agree. I think, I think we, I think it's time for Ruben to get back in, particularly mm. with Stones' injury. And I think it might be a Kanji actually that might be the one that misses out. But let's wait to see on that because he has been he's been the mainstay in the defense this season of everybody. He's probably yep. played the most minutes. I would I would imagine behind Cancelo who'd played the most. Um, okay, right. Final thing on City. Um, kind of a nerdy thing. I was looking last night at the squad just because. Uh, it, it all got submitted. I, I'm keen to know who Chelsea ended up submitting on the Champions League squad or who got left out. But um, City squad went in last night to the Premier League, George. 17, we've got 17 senior outfield players now with Cancelo gone. 19, if you include Lewis, include Lewis and Palmer, which I think is probably fair because they're both now senior options. Um, it, I mean, it's kind of similar to the, what we were talking about, Cancelo, but do you think that's enough for this season or... Do you th- is this now something? Because this is to me, this is really smacked at how small the squad is. I, I think, I think it could be enough for this season, but I think this is something we need to address from next season. I think we've been running last two seasons with a with a one or two members too short on the squad. Do you agree, or do you think actually this is probably the perfect size for for a kind of a Guardiola team? Because we know how he likes to keep his squad. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those where you look back at. Guardiola's time at Barca, Bayern and now City and he, he does fixate on having like everybody in the first team need, I want people who are going to be featuring and I don't want people there just for the sake of it so I don't think he'll ever have a, a really inflated squad but what I do think as well um, and he does this a couple of times when he names two keepers on the bench in different games and stuff It, I think it's a bit of a plea to the to the to the board and the ownership for the summer and that he wants fresh blood, he wants new players and when he's submitting these smaller squads and, you know, substitutes with two keepers and and a few academy kids and I think that is him saying, I, I want some signings this summer. On top of lads we've already got, you mean? So to fill kind of holes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think... It's funny because we City always get these jibes against us, like "oh, we you've got a bigger squad," um, and I, I never really understood that because you know you can only submit a certain amount of p- players, so nobody can have a bigger squad than anybody else. You 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 all uh, you know uh, have to uh, abide by the rules and the numbers. But what we have had is a better squad um, than most of the clubs, and I still think that is true. The quality of all our players, I still I'm still behind that and. So I'm not overly concerned because I think the quality of our squad is still great. But on a numbers perspective, a few injuries will will have me very nervous going into the crunch time uh, matches versus Arsenal, Champions League stuff. So that's the thing that we've all got to keep our fingers crossed. I think when a squad's that small, you just, you just can't afford any injuries now. Ace on squads. <laughs> I know you love talking about squads. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think George is right in that I think Guardiola has been sending subliminals to the board. I think that um, that chart that uh, Blue City Brain that Jason did about uh, net spend over the last five years, I actually found that to be really troubling 
when you look at where City land within that, I'm just a little bit like, that's not really what we are built to be doing. We're not here to moneyball this. We're here to basically win every trophy that we can possibly win. And you're not going to do that by limiting your transfer spending, by running with small squads, um, yeah, by generally acting like you're smarter than everybody else. And that's maybe where I might be a little bit critical of of the whole organisation. I think that having Pep Guardiola gives them an out every season. They can get away with leaving him short because he's Pep. But I think when he turns around in a press conference and sarcastically starts talking about City being net spend champions, I think that's the point at which the board will react. Especially now we know that Guardiola signed a new two-year contract extension. I expect this mm. summer that he'll have... I can see City spending £300 million gross this summer. And then what we get back, we get back. Hey, hey, I think we need to. Um yeah, I mean, I look. I I'm pretty. I've been pretty clear on this. I think we're. I think we're short. I think we're one or two short this season, and I am worried it'll bite us on the on the arse. But you know, that's very much something that we'll have to just wait and see. It really depends on external factors. But I think it just reduces your margins to run a, a squad. Even for Guardiola, I think this is one or two too short. So let's see. Um, we definitely need a big summer of investment. Um, there's obviously, I mean, we've done plenty of transfer pods recently. I think there's a, there's quite a few question marks above players' heads that maybe haven't been apart from maybe last summer. Um, in terms of, I, I do think we need an overhaul. So I'm sure over the next four to six weeks, they'll be getting those those kind of names sorted and positions. So I don't think we're going to see. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see a massive overhaul. I think realistically. We're going to land at three, maybe four players. Um, and I don't think that we're going to have a markedly bigger squad next season because I don't think Pep likes that. So I think that, for example, they'll buy a left back because they have to, because they've got none left. Um, they'll buy a centre midfield player because they will guaranteed lose one. Um and they will buy a winger because it's become very apparent to them that they haven't got any, or they certainly don't have enough wingers. So um, I think there'll be three, maybe four incoming, but I don't think that that's going to end up with a much bigger squad, nor is it going to feel like an overhaul. It's more just going to be an extension of what we did last summer, which is you bring in three lads who have got just the right attitude three lads that are excited and grateful to be at city that are going to run through walls for guardiola fair i think i think three is not enough i think we definitely need four but and i i hear what you say i mean to be honest sounds weird but signing a left back will make me feel like we've got a bigger squad yeah <laughs> if you know what i mean no but you're right because it, it means because we have not one yeah if you if you sign a left back, then you're not having to use a player from a different position in left back. So, if you know you're right, the squad is going to feel a lot bigger just by having a left back. And I think similarly, by having one more senior winger, I think that the squad will feel much, much, much bigger. Um, because I think right now there is an element of it's not like it's a skeleton squad, but I think that we don't get enough credit for just how small the squad is. 
I think I go back to the game the other week where Grealish and Mares are on the pitch, Foden's injured, and you've literally got nobody to bring on. You've got no attackers to bring on. You've got Alvarez, but he's not a wide player ever. And, and, and Cole Palmer. And Cole, mm. with the best will in the world, his development has has plateaued a little bit. So you ab- we are absolutely in need of another winger. Yeah, yeah roughly are. Yeah, the, the only problem with the, the positions that we do need to fill is, is the markets for left-backs and, and wingers are, are so competitive and there's a lack of real quality in them as well, I think, at, at the top level. I agree. If you think of like great left-backs in world football at the moment, there isn't any. You, can, you can name a few of the, you know, you know your Theo Hernandez's, your Alfonso Davis, but then the list, it, it gets very small very quickly. So whoever we go for, I imagine that we're going to enter a few bidding wars as well which we don't tend to like can I ask you both questions since we're here and we're doing transfers and I like transfers um, would either of you take Matoma I um, as the guy as the I, guy I, I, w- I, I would but doing the business with Brighton you can um, you can imagine the fee they'll want and then once you get to that fee, then does it like a high fee for him? Will will you regret that? For a low fee, you, I don't think you would regret it in the slightest, but the, when it starts to get, would it get to like 50, 60 mil? I, d- I don't know. It, and then, want more there's, than that, then there's suddenly know. a lot more. Yeah. But then then the, just the pressure that comes with it, we've seen what it was like with Grealish, regardless of if he's, you know, people said, "Oh, was, you just had to pay it," but you could see it weighed on his shoulders, heavy, and he's only kind of just started to shrug that off now. So, I think he's a cracking player, but I just wondered, like, how how tricky it will be to do business with Brighton. Well, mm, I think that's that's a really good point. Yeah, I agree with what George said. I think it kind of comes down to fee and that versus other options. Um, I think as a player, I've been super, super impressed with him. And I think he's probably only going to improve. What I think he's shown that I didn't think he had originally is he's more versatile than I first thought when he came up, when he burst onto the scene. I think he he struck me as someone that was very good technically and a good dribbler because he's got very good close control, but actually he's deceptively quick and can go both ways, which is what we need. Um I think the problem is that when you kind of base that against other options, I think for me, Liao feels like a bit of an obvious one for us, mainly because of the contract situation. Um, so I think because he's only got a year left, whilst it's still Milan, I think you'll you'll probably have an easier time getting him out of there for a, for a decent fee versus Matoma at Brighton. And I think... Obviously, Liao has characteristics that I do think we're missing in the front line. I think he's obviously a very big lad. He's got more raw pace than Matoma. Um, and I think that's something that we do miss a little bit from the front line at the moment. Like I say, Matoma's actually quicker than I thought. But he's more in like a Foden sense rather than like a um, Raheem Sterling sense. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't say no. And I think he's one to keep an eye on. But I think the way that Brighton move... Um, from a transfers perspective, makes it a bit more di- a little bit more difficult. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think the. I guess my thing is, it goes back to to what George said about the market being actually quite limited at left back and and the kind of 
quality wide attacker that we'd be looking for. I don't think that you've got even five names that are realistically attainable and are good enough to play for City. I actually think that in those two positions, it's going to be either Pep having to work his magic, so signing a young player or signing a left field player and molding them, um, or you're going to pay through the nose wherever you end up going. Um, I guess Matoma versus Leao, the interesting thing for me is they're completely different types of wingers. And I wonder Mm. whether Pep wants another, like, because a lot of this is going to be connected to how we're evolving the way that we play. It feels like we no longer want to play with rapid wingers who are going past their fullback. The system seems much more about control and technically really good footballers. And I wonder whether Matoma doesn't suit what we're doing much better than Leao right now. But that's just one way of looking at it. They might well be looking at it and going, no, we need that type of we need that. option in the squad yeah. as well. I mean, that's what I do personally. I'm not saying that Leao is absolutely the guy, but I want somebody who's just absolutely rapid. Yeah, 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 I and think I think what, the contracts, the contract Matoma, situation there is a big one as well. Sorry, George. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I think what what Matoma would be a great antidote for is this, um, you know, the man to man marking that we've experienced in a few games because he he operates in such small spaces and tight spaces, and we really need like our players to beat that first man in the man to man system because then everything's unlocked behind yeah. it. And I think Matoma is great at that. I think he's got the skills to to do what Mares does for has been doing for us against those systems in the last few games. And it's really important that you can have a player who can look at the defender and go, "I'm I'm I'm going to skin you," and I don't even need like a, a twenty meter run up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the other thing with Matoma that I really like is that. He's almost like genius levels. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Watch him play. He's like genius levels in his movement. Like he's one of those guys who obviously is a student of the game of football. And so it's really, really difficult to defend against him because he's constantly looking for where the space is, but he's also also constantly thinking about what he's going to do next. So when the football comes to him, fullback's about to... F- like the fullback is trying to engage with him to the ball that's coming, but he's already moved on to the next action as the as the ball arrives. It's just so it's so impressive to watch. It's blown my head off, honestly. Do you know he wrote a uh, a master's thesis on dribbling? And he did. He did a two year thesis on dribbling. I mean, come on, how can Guardiola not sign this guy? <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 very impressive, isn't he? Very impressive. Um, okay, right. To kind of stick with transfers, but to move a bit away from City, but not really. Ace, I'm going to come to you first because I know this is a guy that you've been watching. It's someone that I I caught the back the back end of um, the Southampton Newcastle game on this week. Lavia didn't start; came off the bench. He was so good, so good, um, and. I was actually with a, um, a Southampton fan last night, Ollie, and um, Ollie just said he's been their best player this season. Every time he's played, he they've looked more like a team. When he first came into the team, he started six in a row, and they were like, "Who is this guy?" Because obviously, you know, we, we can remember he's played a couple of times for City. He's like five six, 
you know, he's built like a child um, and he plays number six. And you think in the Premier League, that's not going to fly. But after six games, the Saints fans were like, wow, we've signed an absolute gem here. And then he got injured and missed like two months. He's obviously managed to come back into the team. Um, so to throw it to you, obviously Calvin Phillips hasn't started great, but I, I think people have been way too harsh on him. He's only played 170 minutes thus far this season. He's only made one start. I really think we haven't seen, not even the best of him, we haven't seen him to kind of shorten the sentence. But bearing that in mind, we've obviously got the, the buyback on, on Lavia this summer. Do you pull the, do you activate it and yard Phillips? Where it's you are? About, it's not about yarding Phillips. You, you activate it because Lavia looks like he can play as a six or as a box to box or as an eight. He has that kind of talent and that kind of quality. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really not a difficult decision. And actually, I think something that we, in an ideal world, what you want in a Guardiola team is you want fellas who were built like Lavia but can play like Bernardo in tight spaces. And that's maybe something that he'll get tested more, Lavia, but for the moment, everything that I've seen of him suggests to me that he's almost completely press resistant. And that is so high up the list of things to to play in a pep team that, uh, that yeah, I just, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. I'll be staggered if they don't activate that buyback. And the thing that worries me even more is it's pretty widely reported that that Chelsea slapped in a £50 million bid for him on the last day of the transfer window uh, at the end of the summer. They'll go back for him this summer. I'm absolutely sure that they'll go back for him this summer. So I would want us to be uh, ahead of them in that. George? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with what Asan just said then. I think if, if we don't pull the trigger on the buyback, some, one of our competitors will, will be in there straight away. And even, even from a, you know, take, take the player element out of it from a, from a like transfer financial perspective, I think we, if we can buy him back for 40 mil, I think we can then, we could then make money off that again, selling them on if, even if it didn't work out for him playing at City. So I think, I think we have to get him back in, into the fold, especially as we are going to be losing one or two midfielders in the summer. And we now know that he can play Premier League football and start regularly. Um, a few people say, you know, we should never have let him go in the first place, which I, I think is a bit nonsense because the pressure he would have been under at City and the time limits that would have been impressed upon him meant that he probably wouldn't have had this growth that he's had this season. Whereas down at Southampton, yeah, he would have been allowed to grow into the role flourish, not had the pressure of if I lose a game and there's going to be uproar in the fan base and with and with the management, you know, they've lost quite a few games, Southampton, and yet people are still singing his praises. So I think it's the perfect place for him to have gone and grown. But yeah, I would love to get him back in the summer because I think he is a terrific player. Agreed. Yeah, I think the permanency of a permanent move allows the player to kind of adapt in a slightly different way to a loan as well. And that yeah. you, you know, you throw yourself into into it because you're like, right, this is it. It's my new home. The one thing I'm putting down roots here. One thing I would say, Lloyd, <clears throat> Lavia was already at City. Was already had been schooled over a number of years in the system that we play. Um, Phillips wasn't and hasn't played 
any football and part of that will be the adaptation into the system into the way that we play so it's a little bit 2020 hindsight but there was a few of us at the time who sort of said why don't we just keep Lavia why 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 don't we just give him a chance rather than uh than than signing Phillips um but I also understand why from an experience point of view it's ideal for somebody like Lavia to go to a club like Southampton and play there for an entire season. And he will, I think at the end of the season, he'll be their player of the season. And yeah, I think he will have had that full Premier League experience over over an entire season. And he'll certainly be ready to play at a higher level in the Premier League. Yep, agreed. And I think the thing I'm going to be watching from now till June is I want to see if he can play because he's generally played as a six. I want to see if he can play in that eight role, because obviously that's where, ideally for us, we would probably need him, I think, next season, because Rodri is Rodri. And, you know, Rodri's played pretty much every minute this season, and we've obviously got Phillips to provide cover, but I'd I'd like to see if he could play as an eight, because if he could, I think that could really solve an issue with us with the Gundogan-Bernardo situation. So definitely one to watch. And I think it's a buyback only for this summer at 40 mil. So I think the option is this summer or bust. So please, really? if anyone knows a bit more about it, I think so. From what from what I've seen, I think I think we've only got one buyback, and it's for this summer at forty mil. I haven't yeah. seen anything that suggests that's, there's one for the that's following. Mad. If that's the case, and we don't do it, then we'll be slapping ourselves in the face for years to come. Yeah, we'll see. If anyone knows any different, please let us know. Um. Right, last thing before we talk the game. Obviously, there's, there's, there's a few interesting fixtures this weekend, but I think for me, the one that kind of stood out is Chelsea-Fulham. So that was 2-1 reverse fixture at the Cottage. That kind of felt a little bit like... It was almost the game where there was chat that Potter was going to get sacked if he didn't win that game. Obviously, he didn't. And then Chelsea went on the, the kind of spending splurge that they did. This Chelsea team looks very different to the Chelsea team that, that that played that game. They've got a lot of players back fit. They've obviously got all the new guys available, bar Jao Felix, because he's suspended from getting sent off in the reverse fixture. Um, Asan, what do you reckon? I feel like there's a bit of, this is where Chelsea's season almost starts. Are they going to go up? Is this going to, they're going to get, get on a bit of a run? What, what do you think? Obviously, Fulham have been a great side this season. Where are you at? Well, Maybe this is an indication of where I'm at. A certain uh, certain Mudrick got drafted into my FPL team this morning, so so that's that's more or less where I am with this. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that I think to a greater or a lesser extent, Chelsea's season begins tonight, and I expect them to really fly and kick on from here. I think the the big 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 question has been. Who is doing this recruiting? Who's choosing the players? Is it Potter and his team? Or is it Bowley and, and the other fellow whose name I, I can't pronounce? Well, Joe Shields is there now as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my my feeling, and certainly from everything that I've seen Graham Potter say, uh, is that 
Graham Potter and his guys have been heavily, heavily involved in identifying the players that they want to target. And if that is the case, because, um, for example, I saw the first hour of Jao Felix's uh, debut before he uh, right up until the mm. red card. And to be quite honest, he was the best player on the pitch. And the thing that surprised me the most was Felix is a guy who, whenever I've seen him play, I've kind of gone, I don't really know what position you play and I don't really know what the point in you is. Um, whereas even just in that little hour, um, I felt as though, oh, wow, Graham Potter's got a plan for Jao Felix and it looks like a good plan because the player seems to be relishing whatever the role is that he's been given and he makes the whole team look a lot better. So that for me is an indication that Graham Potter's got an idea of how he wants to use these players. So I do expect Chelsea to kick on from here. And I, mm. I, I think, you know, I'd have brought Felix into my team as well if, if he wasn't suspended. But I do think that Mudrick is going to... He's going to look a bargain 12 months from now, I'm sure of it. I agree, unfortunately. Um, so let me read you, because I think this is really interesting. Let me read you the Chelsea team from this game against Fulham. Because this this is mad, because this is not going to be the team tonight. So they started, they played a back three. They played Kepa and Net, Chalabar, Koulibaly and Thiago Silva. Aspilicueta right wing back. Lewis Hall left wing back with Dennis Zachariah. Kovacic and Mount in midfield and then Felix and Havertz up front. Now I would guess so Reese James is back Badi Ashile has been playing Enzo Fernandez comes in um, Mudrick comes in there's a, there's a shout that uh, that that Chilwell's back fit uh, is obviously fit Sterling's back um, I think they've got this Maduede guy who's playing out wide. I mean, that team could look, it could be five, six, seven changes to that team. Yep. Enzo Fernandez, I think, is going to start. I think the, 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 the overall weight of what the Chelsea journalists are saying last, were saying last night and this morning seems to be that Fernandez goes straight into the team. Yeah, he's been playing with Benfica. Um, George, you give, do you give Fulham any chance? Mitrovic double? I mean, I think Chelsea, like you say, will be a totally different side. That was playing in the reverse fixture. But I don't think you can write off Fulham either. That The fact that they are where they are in the league and how competitive they've been against us, Chelsea, all, all the big teams, Liverpool, um, I th- I think it will be a close game still. I think it will be a low scorer, a 1-0, 1-all, 2-1 kind of fixture. I don't see Chelsea coming and blowing them out of the water because I don't think anybody's blown Fulham out of the water really this year. So I think they'll be as good as they ha- have been this season, but there could be, like as you say, the turning of the tide for this Chelsea team and some of these new guys could come in, make a, Enzo Fernandez in particular, make a big impact um, Mudrick as well. I think he'll, Mudrick and Fernandez will both start. Um, you know, the hundred million pound uh, players. I think they mm. will be both playing from from the outset. And something that's quite interesting to me um, regarding the Chelsea squad and everything is is that Lewis Hall will he then be a bit yeah, lost baller. in this influx? He's amazing. I think he was the best Chelsea player in all of the games we played against them in that um, in that period in the cup and the league. I was really impressed by him, the job he did out at left wing back. And I wonder 
if he does get kind of left to the side, is he a player that we could look at in the summer in that left-back role? I'm, I'm not too sure, but he's somebody I think we should definitely keep an eye on. Matt Law did the story uh, last night that because of FFP, Chelsea will have to sell some of their homegrown players this summer, in particular, if they don't finish in the top four. Um, I saw somebody else say it, and I'm going to say it on here. We need to be less nice. If Chelsea aren't going to finish in the top four, then we need to be tapping up Reese James and uh, Lewis Hall immediately. We should be all over that. If City ever dropped out the top four, I think there'd be a lot of vultures circling around our squad and we should act in an appropriate manner uh, should that be the case for Chelsea. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, I think Rhys James signed the new contract though, didn't he? That's the only problem on that front. But Mason Mount's another one where he's got a contract with a year to go. Oh god, um, that's right. Mason Mount's only got a year left. I that's a that's a question because I talked about it in the first uh, market pod that I did, but I haven't really discussed it with anybody else. Would either of you take Mason Mount as one of your centre midfield signings for the summer? It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, mm. apparently he's he's locked in. They're locked in talks because he's demanding close to three hundred grand a week, and so. I guess if he was to come to City, he'd probably be demanding a, a similar fee. I think Pep would love him and his versatility in the midfield and all the different roles he could play. I think it would be, I don't know how well it would go down with the overall fan base because, you know, there's been lots of, uh, you know, Mount versus Foden and stuff and all, and all, and all that jazz. But I think Guardiola would love him in, in, and his versatility in the midfield. Yeah, I think Pep could take him to a different level for sure. Um, I've 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 always had a few niggling doubts about Martin that sometimes he feels like a bit of a passenger in games, and that the game the game kind of takes him by. It kind of passes him by, and I, 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 he plays in a position where you really want someone of that of that age soon to be to be kind of really grappling hold of a game and kind of dictating in the way that you know. Gundogan, Bernardo, De Bruyne, David Silva, all those guys have and shown that they can consistently. Um, but I think he's had a very kind of, he's had a bit of a flux over the last few years. Lots of managers moved around, played front free, played centre mid. Um, I think it's definitely one to keep an eye on. I'm not 100% on it, hmm. but um, I do think it's a player that Guardiola could work with. I think the problem for us is that he's a massive Chelsea fan. So it's a little bit of a Foden situation in that um, I think convincing him to leave would be quite difficult. But if he was a, year... a Chelsea fan, he'd have signed that deal by now. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, it's I true. just think I do think they're in. A, I do think they're in a little bit of a weird position because, for example, they've signed um, the right back from from Leon, whose name escapes me. Um, Malo Gusto. Malo Gusto. Malo Gusto is meant to be one of the best right backs, best young right backs in the world. Full stop. Um, I'm not sure that Reese James or Malo Gusto fancy sharing their allotted time with the other fella. Um, so that'll be an interesting dynamic to keep an eye on if they do keep Reese James next season. Um, I'd have, honestly, I'd have James, I'd have Mason Mount, 
But the fella that I absolutely wouldn't have is the fella we keep getting linked with, and that's Ben Chilwell. No, thank you. He's a signal. <laughs> oh, dear. Funny that, isn't it? Because we see it literally lined the deal up for him two years ago, and we and we pulled out last minute, and Chelsea swooped in. Um, yeah. I'd 100% take Reese James. Reese James is their best player, I think. Um, but he signed a six-year deal in September. So I think, unfortunately... Yeah, that's that's unlikely. Definitely, I can't see um, ever sanctioning the sale of of Reece James. I think it would take Reece James to properly throw his toys out the pram and go on strike, and he ain't doing that. He's a Chelsea fan as well, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. so. No, it's cool. It's cool. We right. can dream, but it's not happening. <laughs> no, nah, but there's. You're right, though. There's definitely there's players and contract situations to watch at Chelsea. When you sign that amount of players, yeah. that will naturally have a knock on effect. Particularly when you have lads like Mount who are running into the last year of their contract, it's definitely one where City should be sniffing. For sure. Right, let's talk about the game. Um, Spurs away. I feel like on paper, apart from Anfield, this is my least favourite game of the season. What's the stat? We've never scored at their stadium. So we've played four times at their new stadium. We've not scored. I think we've missed two pens. Oh, I think Aguero's missed a pen. Yeah. And I think Gundogan's missed a pen. Yeah. Uh, um, so we've got a great penalty record. So all we need now is Mares to take a pen at the weekend, take it off Haaland and sky it. Um, so this, is, this has been the opposite of happy hunting ground for City. Obviously... We managed to turn the game around at the Etihad, but we went 2-0 down. Spurs have just Spurs under Guardiola have been a huge bogey team. And it feels like absolutely classic that Son finally has run into a bit of form just before this game. Scored a couple in the cup. George, have you been to Spurs Stadium? <laughs> have you been there for any of the I have any of- I've been I've been um I've been three times to the to to the new stadium. One of them one time was to see the American football, had a lovely time. City didn't lose, great day out. The other times <laughs> City <laughs> City have gone and uh, ruined my day a bit. Um yeah, I was there with you know, when the Bergwijn scored in his first appearance, I think, um, oh, for Spurs, yeah. first his home debut, it right in front of that big uh, kind of cop stand they built. Um, and everybody was just going mental. And the only thing that's worrying me is it's this Dan Juma is going to be his home debut, home debut, um, this weekend. And I'm just f- praying that something similar doesn't happen. Mm. God, <laughs> the signs are great. I haven't been. I was, I was, I was hoping to go. I know Joe Green is going to the game. Uh, I think Leon's going. I know a few lads that are going. Um, Yes, it's not been good good hunting ground for us. Asan, do you think do you think this this game's different, or are you equally nervous? I'm nervous because it's Conte and Spurs. Even if Conte won't be on the bench, <clears throat> is that a factor? Um, do you think if he's not, do you think I do that's think, a? I do, I do think that's a factor for sure. I think that's a factor. Um, it will play into our hands, um, but I think that what I'm looking for, I'm not really focused on Spurs who their good players are or what they do on Sunday. I'm focused on what sort of city do we get on Sunday? What's the team selection? What's the attitude? Have any of the lads come back in from the cold? Because, for example, 
you've got to think Bernardo Silva's due to start a game of football soon, right? Um, same with Ruben Diaz. You feel as though he's due to start a game of football soon. In fact, he's going to throw Kyle in there. I don't know. I can't remember the last time Kyle started a game of football. So there is selection conversations that we have from a City point of view. And then there is the performance and how that plays out, bearing in mind that, you know, I think that we were a little bit soporific against against Arsenal in the cup game. I felt that we, Arsenal played well, but I don't think that we played with the requisite confidence, quality and intensity. Mm. Um, We were pretty timid first half, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think, like, you know, obviously people are going to make a lot of, oh, Arteta, he he man-marked and, you know, City couldn't play through that and, oh, didn't United man-mark and City couldn't, it's like, fuck off. Like, under normal circumstances, if you go man-for-man against City, you will get terrorised. You will get horribly terrorised. So the fact that we didn't do that to Arsenal was a a real disappointment considering the quality of players that we had on the pitch. So I expect there to be a reaction on Sunday. And I think the other thing is that Pep's now had nine days. Uh, we'll, We'll have had nine days between the two games to work with the team. It's not very often this side of Christmas that a manager gets that much time, a top manager in the Champions League gets that much time with with his mm. squad without a game. So I, I hope that there's, not that there's like some new tactical plan, but just that the confidence builds from a week of training the stuff that you've been doing all season. It'd be very interesting to see if Pep, if we see a, a funky Pep situation where he's, he's come up with something bespoke for Spurs away. I, I, He's barely uh, he's barely changed the team for the last four games. Like whatever whatever message he was trying to send, it's gone beyond sending a message, and it's now these are the lads that I trust. So I think that, like for example, I, I asked that question about Bernardo, but then part of me is like, there is no way that he changes Grealish, Haaland, Mares. Rodri, KDB, Gundo, that any changes that come, come in the back four. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to the team in, in a sec, but yeah, I agree with that. Um, George, I'm going to ask you a question we ask a lot on the 9320 podcast. Um, is this a must win? Yeah, I think it is, uh, especially as um, Arsenal play 12.30 Saturday, don't they? Um, against Everton, so if yeah, tough they game. win, yeah, if, if they win that, like I presume they will, um, I'll keep my fingers crossed for a Sean Dyche miracle, but um, I won't be um, expecting much. But yeah, if they win that, like I expect them to do, then they'll be eight points ahead when we go into the match, and then you know if we lose, it's it's going to be very tricky to claw it back, especially as we've got to play them twice. Arsenal twice, so it is a must win. I can hear Howard turning in his grave. Um, <laughs> you, you don't think a draw is serviceable at all? No chance. No, I think the what the way where I'll be happy. I think the the time I'll be looking for a, a draw, probably Arsenal away. I think I'd be happy with a draw at Arsenal away. But everything up to that point, I think we need to win just to keep pace. And then if we do get, a, then if we do draw at the Emirates in in that game, then you know, and 
try and get a result at home, that'll be fine. But yeah, I think we've just got to keep pace with Arsenal. Hey, son, must win. Yeah, massively so. Um, I think everything up to and including the game at the Emirates are a must win. I think we're now at the point in the season where there's no point in trying to be polite and there's no point in trying to be, um, you know, I know that there's, you could look at it on the one hand and go, there's still 18, 19 league games to be played. But with the lead that Arsenal have got already, you got to win the next three. And then you put yourself in a position to put pressure on them. And then we see how they handle it before the Etihad game. I would agree. I think we need to. I think we need to. I think we need to win all three. I think we need yeah. to. We need to beat Spurs. We need to beat Villa because I I can't remember who Arsenal have got in that middle patch, but I, I just, I'm assuming they're going to win. And then I think we need to we need to beat Arsenal at the Emirates and send a message and put the shits up them. I think even a draw in that game, I think they come out of it much better than we do. We're chasing them. Psychologically, I don't think that damages them at all. I think it psychologically damages us. But let's not focus on Arsenal. Let's focus on Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> we need to win. We need to win this game first. Yes. Um, and as as we said at the top on this section, this is not a fixture that we've got a good record in. Um, okay, so to talk about the eleven, Asan's kind of given his his view a little bit. George, I mean, I agree. I think for me, the front six basically pits itself. And then it's the defence where Pep probably needs to have a few more slightly difficult decisions. What what eleven do you expect on Sunday? Yeah, I think as you've said, the the, the front six will probably be the Grealish, Parland, Mares, Rodri, KDB, and Gundo. And then at the back, I think obviously the Edison and Net. And then for this match, I think at the back it will be. Maybe Walker right back, as as I said earlier, just out of a pure physicality thing, and then a Kanji, Laporte, and Ake. I, I I just there's something to, there's something just saying that I don't think Diaz will will start the match. I don't know why that is, mm. but I just think he'll roll with the players who have that rhythm in them for this match, and all those guys have featured a lot more than Diaz. I agree. I think that'll be the eleven. Um, you don't think there's a there's a rogue shout that Foden's fit again? He might come back in. I think if he's fit, if he is fit, I think he'll be on the bench and with a view to come on, which will be nice because, as Ace has said earlier, like the attacking options we've had in some games off the bench have just been Cole Palmer and then um, obviously Alvarez, who is a great play to have on the bench but once Alvarez comes on there was no other attacking options and it'll be nice to have Foden coming on with that energy and, and also point to prove but no I think it'll be Grealish and Mahrez starting on the wings Hey Sam what about Alvarez I mean he broke the game open against Spurs he was kind of the difference maker I, I felt in that game do you think there's a chance no. he starts or not he's an impact sub for me for the moment he's uh, I, I love him I don't want anyone to think that me saying that he's an impact sub means that I don't rate him and I don't love him because I rate him and I love him, but I don't think he's a fella away from home in a game like the Spurs game where you start him. It's just that's not one. He can't play from wide. So as soon as you start him, 
because obviously we're not dropping Haaland, then you're playing some version of a 4-4-2. And that's just, that's not Pep. That's not how we play. That's not how we control games. That's not, that's not the, the system that, that Guardiola was schooled on. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a port of last resort, uh, Alvarez and Haaland together rather than something that we are going to see from the start often. So, no. And you don't think, because we've not seen it much, but you don't think there's a chance of Alvarez wide? No. He's not very good playing wide. And you, I mean, look, his, his, his best quality, his biggest quality is the fact that he can finish. So he's got to play within the width of the penalty area. And that is exactly the same best quality as Erling Haaland, who also needs to play within the width of the penalty area because his best quality is his finishing as well. So, no, I just, I don't think it's, uh, I think you're more likely to see Foden and Alvarez from the bench on the hour, whether it's 4-0 to City or 2-0 to Spurs. Fucking hell. If it's not the latter. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Have I told you yet that Everton Arsenal, the early kickoff tomorrow is finishing nil-nil? Absolutely wow. no chance. Don't at me. At full time, don't at me. I'm just letting you know. Nil-nil. It'll be 2 nil after about 15 minutes, that. Mate. Daishinho's first game back in the Prem at home, half 12 kickoff, the feral environment of, of, uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, you're trying I to talk like. yourself into it, mate. I've never heard anyone rate Daish less than you. <laughs> the regular listeners will be absolutely wetting themselves right now at, at, at me suddenly being like Sean Dyche's biggest fan. But still, new manager bounce, first game at home, Twelve, those 12.30 kickoffs. I mean, what time have Arsenal got to leave London to get there on time? And that's if they don't travel the day before and have to stay in a hotel. Um, those, I think the most difficult away games from a scheduling point of view are the early kickoffs on the Saturday. Oh yeah, there's always weird. There's always weird results. Yeah, I mean Brentford at home for us is a good example. Yeah, so that was a twelve thirty Saturday. Yeah, <clears throat> Although, I mean it's not it's not happening. Just to be clear, <laughs> <laughs> and also that really blows my theory out of the water because I was like, it's more difficult for the away teams, and you immediately reached for well, yeah, we played Brentford at home and they slapped us right before the World Cup, and that was an early kickoff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, look, I, I'd it would be great, but it's just not happening. So. All right, fair well, we're, anyway, don't at me when it happens. Fair, fair. And that, do you agree with George's team? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Walker comes in. I think it's Akanji and Laporte. And I think it's Ake at left back. And then it's Rodri, KDB, Gundo. And then it is Mares, Grealish, Haaland. I agree. I think that'll be the 11. Yeah. There's obviously a chance Lewis plays. But I think the front six definitely, definitely picks itself. I'd be surprised to see Bernardo. I don't think Foden will come back in. He's on the naughty step. I don't think he is, you know. I don't know if you've seen this, but um, uh, there's been some, how do I say this? There's been some stuff kind of coming out of the club this week that people have got the wrong end of the stick with what has been going on with Phil. 
that he had a... Enlighten me, I haven't seen it. Well, so apparently he had a single disciplinary issue where he went out one night, the night before a game, and he shouldn't have done. And for that, he was in trouble. But in the main, um, he's his attitude is spot on, and he's been training really well. Um, and there was actually quite a bit of beef between Cancelo and Foden um, that had built over a period of time. So I'm hoping that within two weeks, three weeks, we are seeing top best version of Phil Foden. Oh, well, I hope so. There are some, there are obviously some pretty serious rumours circulating. Rumours, obviously, important to point out. Um, but we need Phil. I mean, Phil is one of our best players when he's fit. No, never mind. You're one of the best players in, in, in the 11. So I would, uh, I'd very much hope that's true. So let's, let's see. He's definitely back in training. I've seen the, I think we've all seen the photos. So he should be available from the bench if needed. Um, all right, George, give me a score prediction. You're a man that's been to the stadium before. Are you going to go against previous experiences? You've got to. You've got to stay positive, don't you? Um, I'm going to go with 2-0 City and the goal scorers will be Erling Haaland and Ilkay Gundogan. Didn't ask for the goal scorers, but there we go. Absolutely (laughs) love that, man. That's how you finish a debut. Hey, son. Um, I've got no advance on 2-0 City, to be perfectly frank. It will be 2-0 City. Oh, am I going to bring the the tone down? Don't you dare. Don't you dare. (laughs) Bring us back to reality. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, look, everything about this game puts the shits up me, but if we have any if we have any case for even being in this title race we have to win and to be honest i don't care how we win it, the most important thing is three points um yes i, I do think asan you're right that i think we'll know where the city teams at probably in the first 10 15 minutes yeah. in terms of how they play but we absolutely need to win i think it'll be I could I can see a really tight KG game, partly because there's no Conte. So I'm gonna go one nil. I'm gonna go one nil City. I'll take the one nil. Yeah. I mean look, if we can keep a clean sheet at, at their place after the recent results, we're we're basically three quarters of the way to a win. So So let's see. Right, well that's three winning predictions, so I think Everyone will be thanking us when it's a two-one Spurs <laughs> come six pm on Sunday. Oh, uh, what can we do? I mean, you, you've got to be hopeful, haven't you? You've got to be. Mate, hopeful. I'm so positive when I host the Friday show. I, I, I think that I think that uh, we'll have to have words off air because I reckon you're bringing the listeners down with all your fear. <laughs> I just went one nil City. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh dear. Right. Well, that's a wrap. Anyway. Um, George, great debut. Thanks for coming on, mate. No, thanks for having me, guys. Really enjoyed it. I'm sure there'll be very more where that comes from, from you. Um, and Asan, thanks for making the effort. I know you're not in a great way right now. But cheers, mate. Yeah, I loved it. Lovely stuff. Good. Right, well, I hope you've enjoyed this. This is obviously 
our free show for the week, stepping in for Howard. Um, and it, yeah, if you if you've enjoyed what you've listened, then we've got much much more of this on the night three twenty player. We're doing our fifteen minute previews, which we're putting out of our of our paid feed podcast. So give those a listen if 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 you like what this is and you want a bit more of an insight into the night three twenty player. And that's a wrap. Um, and as always, I think we have to end the podcast as we always do, Asan, eh, saying up the blues.